0: It's the summer. The weather is beautiful. What a perfect time to stay inside and look at our fantasy football rankings and sleepers at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. And check out our podcast with Danny Kelly, Craig Worlbeck, and me, Danny Heifetz, at The Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud Anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans, starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC.
0: There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
1: Today, we're going to talk about the relationship between movie theaters and streaming services. It's one of the more fascinating relationships in Hollywood right now. And everything is up in the air. Everything is changing. Before the pandemic, it was pretty clear what happened. Movies went to theaters. Then three, four months later, they went to home video. They went to streaming services. They went to HBO and pay TV and so on and so on. The pandemic changed all that. The studios essentially broke down decades of exclusive movie windows and started doing whatever they want on their streaming services. The guy trying to prevent that, or at least forge a new normal with those studios, is John Fithian. He is the president, CEO of the National Association of Theater Owners, the chief lobbying group and representative of the theater organizations, the major chains. He's trying to come up with a new normal that benefits theaters and keeps them in business. I mean, one of the major chains is on the brink of bankruptcy right now, while also working with the new financial realities of these studios. He's the one who's talking to Netflix about their strategy and whether they will put more movies exclusively in theaters. Amazon, Peacock, and Universal going day and date with theirs. Everything is up in the air right now, and it's a perfect time to talk to him about what's gonna happen in the next six, eight, 12 months with movies in theaters, with movies on streaming. So we're gonna do that. I had him in to talk. He doesn't do a lot of these types of interviews, so it was an interesting opportunity to get to talk to him about Netflix, MoviePass, trying to get people back to theaters. They're doing a $3 promotion this weekend. The summer successes, the summer red flags, all things movie theaters with John Fithian. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany and this is The Town. All right, we are here with John Fithian. He is the head of NATO, which is not an international alliance. It is the National Association of Theater Owners, which is the chief lobbying group, the chief representative of the theater industry. Thanks for joining us, first of all. My pleasure, Matt. Good to be with you. So in many ways, there are positive signs out there for movie theaters. I heard you at the CinemaCon conference in April talking about all the great things that are happening with some of the big blockbuster movies. But in many ways, it's also pretty grim out there. Last weekend, the total gross in US theaters was $54 million of all movies and theaters. That was the worst since the pandemic waned earlier this year. The top grosser was a Sony movie called The Invitation, which grossed just $7 million. We've got what people are calling a movie desert for the next couple months, where there are no movies that are expected to generate more than 20, 25 million dollars in their opening weekend. That's pretty bleak. So, what is from your perspective, what are you seeing? And and what is the main problem here that we're dealing with? So
0: I I don't see a main problem here. I see cyclicality of movie supply, right? And I think it's important to look at the entire year. Because box office grew kind of steadily through the first seven months of the year, uh, up to a July, which was very close to the July of 2019. We grossed $1.04 billion in July of 2022 versus $1.06 in July of That was with
1: Minions, that was Jurassic World and the Top Gun spillover.
0: Exactly. So when the movies are there, uh, moviegoers are flooding back in numbers equal to or better than they were doing in 2019. In other words, the pandemic is over in the moviegoer's mind. What isn't over from the pandemic is kind of the lingering production and release uh, of movies. Uh, We're getting there, though. If you look at those first seven months, we only had 70% of the movie supply of wide releases that we had during the same time period in 2019. And yet we did 71% of the business that we did in 2019. In other words, we're doing the same kind or better business per movie, per wide release movie than we did uh, in 2019 before the pandemic. So when the moviegoers uh, see the movies they want to see, they're coming out very, very, very strongly. You mentioned August. Uh, August is often a slow month in the business in September. Um, we, we typically have dips during these months, but but we're very confident that coming out of this short-term dip, we've got a fall and winter that looks really, really exciting.
1: So it's, it's a product issue. I think that's pretty clear. The studios are just not releasing enough movies. But what can you do about that? I mean, this is really their choice. And you say it's cyclical, but what if it's not? What if this is the new normal? What if these studios are just prioritizing their streaming services or making fewer movies because they see the box office is just being much more difficult to get a return out of? What do you do about that?
0: Right. Well, there are a couple of things. It's a very important question, but the answer to the question is we don't see major studios or independent distributors, for that matter, reducing their plans to release movies theatrically. Instead, we see quite the opposite. Uh, at Warner Brothers, if you hear the public statements of David Zaslav, yes, he's cutting a lot of expenses, but he's ramping back up movie production for theatrical releases. Uh, Universal are still putting out 20, 24 movies a year, primarily for theatrical release. One or two of those will go to Peacock simultaneously, but the vast majority of their movies come in theatrical. Disney's got a gigantic slate uh, and they are they're coming theatrical with their movies, too. You can go on and on and on down the line of the distributors. They have uh, returned, if you will, to the business model of making money in theaters first before their movies uh, go to streaming services. And that's different than the pandemic when there was no choice about how movies were released. We are seeing a return to the need to make money. And the best way to make money is to put your movies in theaters first.
1: The big question mark in theatrical right now seems to be the MGM studio. That was a big provider of movies to theaters. It was bought by Amazon last year. And Amazon hasn't yet said whether they are going to make MGM movies for theatrical, make them for Amazon Prime Video, do a hybrid. What have your conversations with, M- with Amazon been like about MGM's future?
0: Yeah, well, we don't uh, discuss publicly our, our private conversations with the with individual suppliers, of course, and I wouldn't do that for for any of the major typical studios as well. Those conversations are held regularly. That is one thing that we do for our members is regularly talk to all these movie suppliers and distributors. And so I'll say just generally that I have guarded optimism that all of the so-called tech streaming companies, Amazon, Netflix, and importantly, Apple, um, are looking at ideas of how to make money theatrically off of some of their movies before they put them on their streaming services. And why is this happening? Well, for, for a while, the only thing that mattered on Wall Street was growing subscribers. And this was the case for Disney Plus, as it was the case for Netflix, as it was the case for Amazon Prime, et cetera. Um, And now the focus has changed a bit. We're actually getting back to business, which means getting back to models that make money. And so I think you'll see in each of those three companies over the next uh, year to 18 months um, an evolving strategy of of more theatrical releases with exclusive windows uh, than, than we've had in the past.
1: Even Netflix, because the, the Netflix back and forth with the studios over the years has been fascinating. If you talk to them, I mean, they say they really tried with The Irishman. They wanted to put that movie in theaters for in a significant footprint, and the theaters could never agree on the terms because Netflix wanted it to either be day and date or to go out on the service a week or two after it was in theaters. That was a non-starter for the theaters at that time. Now coming out of the pandemic, all these studios are experimenting with hybrids or day and date, different types of releases. Something, you know, Disney's putting all the Pixar movies directly on Disney Plus except for Lightyear. And Netflix is in a different position too. So are you saying that you think Netflix is going to come to an agreement with the major theater chains to give an exclusive and meaningful theatrical window to some of their movies?
0: I am optimistic about all three of those companies.
1: Even, even for something like Knives Out, which Netflix is saying that they are not going to give it a meaningful theatrical release?
0: Well, let's not get specific about titles or, or, or timeframes. I'm just encouraged by all three companies in a, a serious look at theatrical models to make money. And you mentioned Marty Scorsese's picture of the Irishman. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's water under the bridge, so I can talk about that one, right? The yeah. irony was that the discussion on the table back then was about a forty-five day window. I know
1: that was the joke, and they wanted to do it, and the and the theaters didn't want didn't want that.
0: It's a different world coming out of the pandemic now, right? So I would just say watch the space of the next Marty Scorsese movie,
1: right? And that is the Apple movie. Uh, it's the Apple movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, which comes out next year, right?
0: Let's see what happens with that one. Uh, being distributed by Paramount for Apple. And I know that Marty loves theaters. So let's see.
1: So for decades, the theaters enforced a pretty strict rule of law. There was a months-long theatrical window, whether it was 180 days or 90 days. Then the pandemic hits, theaters close. The studios used the pandemic to essentially blow up those windows, which they've wanted to do for a long, long time. Now, as we're coming out of it, it's basically a free fall, free for all, sorry. Um, They can do essentially whatever they want. And you guys kind of have to take it, right? I mean, one by one, these studios have either gone day and date, they go streaming only. They do do theatrical exclusives, but perhaps the window is shortened to three weekends or 45 days. The consumer in this equation has a lot to contend with. It used to be easy to know what the windows were. But do you think that the studios going back and forth and enforcing different windows? Do you think that's confusing to moviegoers in a way that hurts the business? Well, first,
0: um, moviegoers, we've surveyed them, really don't know much about how long the windows are, right? They only know if a movie has been released in theaters first exclusively versus going straight to a streaming service. Beyond that... They don't have a feel for how long the window is. And and I don't agree with your assessment about the pre-pandemic, pandemic, pandemic, and post-pandemic periods entirely. I will agree pre-pandemic, the two sides weren't in sophisticated enough analysis of what flexible windows could look like, right? There was kind of a mentality of one size fits all. And that's Mm -hmm. not good for anybody's business. Similarly, the pandemic models also weren't good for anybody's business, but they were necessary because it was a pandemic. We were shut down for a whole lot of time. We came back up piece by piece. Uh, The idea of releasing the blockbuster movie with a big window wasn't possible uh, for most of the pandemic. And so those models during the pandemic were purely about getting movies into the consumers, either through theaters or streaming any way that they could in order to survive a pandemic. But there was a lot of data collected and a lot of learnings. And what happened is the the distributors who put movies in simultaneous release during the pandemic realized it doesn't work. It doesn't work financially because they were cannibalizing theatrical sales with their streaming release. And they were also exacerbating piracy. It's one thing to have a movie in a theater that someone can, can record on a camcorder and try to put online. When you put out a digital, pristine copy of a movie it can get ripped instantly and be available anywhere in the world. So what we all learned during the pandemic is that a theatrical release with a robust window, put an asterisk on that for a minute, um, is good for everybody's business, right? You sell a bunch of tickets in theaters, you establish a brand, and then later that title pops on the streaming service. What those windows look like is obviously different coming out of the pandemic than it was going into the pandemic. And honestly, that's a good thing. We're much more sophisticated now and being flexible about what a window means. We still have to have an exclusive window, but how long does it have to be? Well, it depends on what it's going toward. Premium video on demand, for example, that window is different than a straight-to-streaming-for-free
1: window. Sure. And your members often will participate in that revenue from the studio, at least with the universal deal. Well, yes, but the, but the point is that
0: PVOD is not as cannibalistic of theater sales, right? Mm -hmm. You still need a window. You don't need quite as long a window as you do for free to streaming. And, and the old, you know, models of how long a window had to be regardless of how the movie held is also gone. And so there's a lot better projections of how long will a movie go and make money theatrically and establish that brand before it needs to go to the home. So Top Gun had an 88 day window, right? Well they haven't confirmed that.
1: <laughs> oh, you mean oh, you mean to digital sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in the consumer's
0: mind, it is just the fact that there's an exclusive release that matters, that drives into theaters that gets the pop and then later they can get it on PVOD, and later than that they can get it on streaming. And so that kind of sophisticated modeling works for everyone, and we're working through it all. It's not that the studios are just unilaterally deciding this stuff. They're having lots of very involved data-driven discussions with theater owners uh, about what works the best for everybody.
1: When when I say confusion, I mean you know Disney put three consecutive Pixar movies straight to Disney Plus, and then. Lightyear comes out, and it's a theatrical exclusive, and it significantly underperforms expectations. Do you think the fact that Disney put those three movies on streaming directly caused some moviegoers to say, oh, wait, that's in theaters? Uh, I'll just wait.
0: I think there are other reasons that impacted Lightyear's performance. I mean, compare it to Minion's. Minions, another family title, was a gigantic success that outperformed everybody's expectations at the optical release with Windows, Mm -hmm. right? Long ones. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think you can say, oh, family films, we've taught the consumer they're going to streaming very quickly. They don't have to come to theaters anymore because Minions was a gigantic success.
1: Yeah. I just meant Pixar, but whatever. I get it. I mean, there were other things going on.
0: Does a consumer really know the difference? I mean, they know it's a good family title if they want to go see. So I don't know how many consumers know this is a Pixar film, this is a universal film, this is a whatever.
1: I think Disney is the one that makes a difference with consumers. They do know Disney. And for two years there, it was all on Disney+. Plus. This was the first big Disney animated film that was back as a theatrical exclusive. And people didn't show up. So I wonder, and I've talked to people at Disney about this, whether the brand has been harmed as a theatrical brand.
0: Um, We've talked to Disney about that too, right? What do they say? Let me put it this way. We are confident that Disney's titles, not just Marvel, but Pixar, other brands that Disney has, are going to be released theatrically with windows. What those windows look like, how long they are, you know, when, what does it go straight to streaming thereafter? Or do they try a PVOD play? All that stuff is, is for, dis, you know, discussion, but it's pretty clear that they are returning to a make money in theaters first model before they take them to the home. Why? Because wall street's basically told them yeah. and wall street's told Netflix and wall street's told everybody else that's got movies in a streaming service. It's not just about subscribers anymore. It's about making money. And this is by far the best way to make money on the movies that Disney and everybody else has.
1: Speaking of making money, Regal, the chain needs a lot more of it. It is teetering on the brink of bankruptcy. Um, As of this taping, it has not filed for bankruptcy. AMC, the world's largest chain is being held up by the memes, the apes that are pumping money into the company. Uh, is there going to need to be a retrenchment, a reduction in screens, especially in this country? Um, again,
0: without commenting on individual companies, I'll tell you mm-hmm. some in- industry trends. When the pandemic really got bad, people thought, first of all, movie theaters would die entirely and that we'd never return to this form. Um, and secondly, well, if they didn't die entirely, over half of them would. Okay? We entered the pandemic with about 41,000 screens in the US and Canada. And right now we got about 40,000, which means that we shuttered about a thousand net screens. I mean, we're shuttering more than that, but we're also opening new theaters, et cetera, et cetera. And so the, the, the great death of the movie theater industry uh, once again, did not come to fruition. And we've heard this so many times. I mean, the onset of television, the onset of VHS, the onset of DVDs and the onset of streaming, Every single time that happened, people said, well, that's it for the movie theater industry. I guess they're not coming back.
1: Well, but, the, but one of the big players is literally going bankrupt. So something's got to happen.
0: Uh, well, I, I don't want to get into the details of bankruptcy law, mm-hmm. but there is something called a reorganization.
1: That's true. But, but one of the things they can do in the reorg is get out of a lot of those leases. Uh, yes. Uh, and others can pick them up, right? Or the, or, some of,
0: or some of them that are underperforming whenever a company goes through organization can be shuttered and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, But in, when I first, I was outside counsel to NATO before I became its president. And in, in the late nineties, early two thousands, every major company in exhibition in the United States filed for bankruptcy organization because they spent a lot of money building stadiums, seating theaters and accumulated way too much debt and had to reorganize. They reorganized. They 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 got their debt structure under control and then they came back storming with very healthy business, you know, in the mid part of that decade. Um, and so I I don't see anything portending a great decline in in lots of movie screens or in movie going, because what the consumers are saying is when the movies are there, we're coming back as strong as
1: we were before. I did a podcast last week with the CEO of MoviePass. Stacey Spikes and he explained the rationale. They're coming back. Uh, they promise they will not break our hearts again, and they're they're going to have a responsible business model. What do you see uh, in a company like MoviePass that is trying to bring the subscription model across chains? Meaning you don't have to be a member of the AMC or Regal program. You can be a MoviePass member and get your subscription for all movie theaters. Do you think that's a positive or do you think that threatens? your members
0: uh just generally speaking anybody that's got a business model that's designed to grow movie going is a good thing for the industry right um i won't debate the specifics of movie passes model versus anybody else's because that's not my job that's up to my members to decide as they negotiate with them or anyone else who's got a new service like that um but anybody that's that's trying new business models to drive more people to the cinemas is a good thing for the industry
1: Okay. Speaking of you are also doing a net what you're calling National Cinema Day this Saturday. Right. $3 all movies, doesn't matter what it is, what time. Um un- <laughs> it's kind of a bummer in that it's the Labor Day weekend when there are the fewest movies people want to see in theaters, but Baby Steps here, it is a $3 movie day and what are you expecting to get out of that?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking, Matt. We are extraordinarily excited about National Cinema Day, uh, September 3rd, as you said, at participating Mm -hmm. theaters in your neighborhood. Um, We got 30,000 screens participating already. My guess is by the time I get the numbers at the end of the day, it'll be much higher than that because we just announced this whole thing uh, yesterday. By the way, it's being picked up by every news outlet across the country. People are very, very fired up about this concept. A a cinema day or movie day has, it's not a new concept. Uh, We've tried it in several Latin American countries, several European countries. Uh, It's been a huge success because it gets a whole bunch of people back into the cinemas.
1: Yeah. What's the goal here? Is this to reintroduce the lingering people who have been COVID averse or what is it? The, The
0: goal is to do two things, right? It's to thank the moviegoers for an incredible summer. Like I talked about July was as hot as can be by giving them a nice special day to come back at a, at a, at a fun price. Um, but it's also about getting moviegoers back into the cinemas who haven't been back in a while. And then what you do once you get them there is we're going to show a very special sizzle reel of the upcoming product in the fall and the winter. Because we think there's a lot there. And we think if people see that sizzle reel, which you can only see in cinemas on September the 3rd, Um, that they'll get juiced about coming back to the movies uh, throughout the rest of the year. Is it
1: hosted by Nicole Kidman?
0: Uh, no, it's not hosted (laughs) by Nicole Kidman, but, uh, but, you know, the the studios have given us a whole bunch of great clips, Uh um, and it's going to be very fun.
1: Well, producer Craig will be there. He will be watching, uh, the Stallone movie. He's got to see some Stallone bloodshed.
0: Don't just watch one. We're starting <laughs> early in the morning. And we're going late at night, man. At, at three bucks, you can see three or four movies in the same day.
1: Uh, all right. Well, that's a good idea. You guys should do more of that stuff. All right. We're going to do a quick lightning round and then I'll let you go. Okay. So one of my favorite things at the CinemaCon convention is the floor of experimental food items. What is the craziest movie theater food item that never actually made it into theaters? Fried squid popcorn. Oh, wow. That's super gross.
0: I'm not kidding you, but it did make it big time in Korea. And I have had (laughs) fried squid popcorn in Korean
1: cinemas. Didn't take off in the U.S., but that is the weirdest cinema concession I've ever seen. All right. Uh, We are in a weird period in August. I'm going to name five movies that came out in theaters this past month of August. Four of them are real, and one of them is fake. I made it up. Can you spot the fake one? Probably not. Mac and Rita. Uh, Real. That is real. Diane Keaton body swapping movie. Yep. Sharp Stick. Real. That is real. Lena Dunham directed. Maneater. Oh, this one's tough. I'll say fake. That is real. It's a shark movie with Shane West. Limited release. Oh, They're going to kill me. Lava Lamp. That one's fake. That's got to be That fake. is fake. I made that there up. There you go. <laughs> All right. And adopting Audrey. That must be real. That is real. Jenna Malone. All right. You did pretty good. You did pretty good. Um, will a major theater chain be bought by Disney or one of the studios? No. No. And why not?
0: We're good at our business. They're good at theirs. I mean, I, I don't think that kind of vertical integration makes sense as a business model, but... I could be wrong. Yeah. Maybe tech company. They've dabbled, right? I mean, Netflix has a couple of cinemas and and uh, Amazon's looked at it, right? But I I, I think if, if that were going to be something that was going to happen, it would happen by now.
1: All right. So what will be the top grocer of the year? Avatar, Black Panther, or Top Gun?
0: I'm sorry for those fans of the other two movies, but I am a gigantic believer in Jim Cameron. He has never missed every everything he's put his heart and soul into has outperformed expectations um i think avatar is going to be the biggest grocer of the year but that's only if you count from when it's released this year for its full run because that sure. movie that movie will play into april so
1: that is the correct answer i agree with you um all right john fithian thank you for joining us really appreciate it and we will craig and i will be in the theaters this weekend it was fun hope to see you there All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, how many times have you seen Top Gun Maverick? Just once. Okay, I've seen it twice. But I think this weekend, a lot of people will be lured back to movie theaters to see it again. There's that $3 promotion that that Fithian talked about. And my prediction is that the $3 promotion is going to get Top Gun to the top of the box office for Labor Day weekend. For the first time since anyone I've talked to can remember, the same movie might be number one on Memorial Day weekend and Labor Day weekend. Wow. That'd be pretty big, right? (laughs) Huge, that would be unbelievable. I mean, it's partly because there's literally nothing coming out this weekend. I mean, it's just one hybrid release. There's a movie called Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. But isn't Top Gun Maverick now out on streaming or is it only- No, uh, you can buy it on digital, but it is not on any streaming service yet. And I think Paramount will probably do a little bit of push this weekend, put it in more theaters. There's a reissue of Jaws in 3D that is coming out. And then there is a reissue of Spider-Man No Way Home, where they put, I guess, some more Spider-Man footage in it. But there's this big push to get people to go to theaters this weekend for three bucks. And there's not many movies for them to see. So it's going to be a lot of holdovers. And I think people are going to be like, eh, let's go see Top Gun again. Three bucks. I'll do it. And I think that will push it over the top. A very weak weekend, but I think it will be number one, which will be an amazing stat. The feather in the cap for a Top Gun. Totally. And, yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because remember last year, Marvel put Shang-Chi in theaters on Labor Day weekend. Labor Day is typically not a big movie going weekend because people are getting back to school and such. But Shang-Chi did really well. It got 94 <laughs> million bucks last Labor Day weekend. Nothing is going to do anywhere near that this year. But uh, but I think people will show up for Top Gun at least enough to get it number one.
0: Yeah, upon their third viewing, they can finally decide if Tom Cruise dies in the first 20 minutes of the film. Exactly.
1: Huh? I'm convinced that he does, but I've, I actually bumped into Miles Teller at an event and I asked him, and uh he basically shook his head so (laughs) i'm gonna take that as a no (laughs) i bet he wishes he did then then miles teller could take over (laughs) exactly he's like yeah please spread that around to anyone who will listen (laughs) uh you know i'm available for the sequel all right that is the show for today i want to thank john fithian i want to thank producer craig holbeck and i want to thank you we will see you tomorrow